Hello and welcome to the September 17th, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Got a lot going on here, guys. Several days in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's obviously great to have you here with me, and of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. So, as I just mentioned, it's uh, kind of nice to be back in the swing of things when it comes to recording. I really enjoy this, as you all know. I enjoy it even more so when I'm able to keep in constant contact with our family out there. Um, You know, and I've said this a million times, guys, how lost to some degree I feel when I don't have this. But as we all know, sometimes life takes over and whether it has something to do with our health, uh, our job, our family, whatever it might be, sometimes we just don't have the opportunity to do the things that we love to do. And... uh, You know, for me, it's kind of an excuse to some degree um, because I'm not seeing a doctor. So it's it's almost like I could turn around and say, oh, you know what? You don't have an appointment to speak to anyone today. It's not on your calendar. So you're going to have to finish up that work project or you're going to have to get home to your kids or whatever it might be. Whereas if it's a doctor's visit... You know, for the most part, usually those are set in stone and we try to attend those and we schedule our lives around that particular appointment, or at least our week. Let's be realistic here. I can't schedule my days around my my doctor visits, a.k.a. my podcast journey with my family. It just doesn't work that way, um, you know, mainly because, again, life gets in the way, so... Uh, but again, it feels great to be on here for a few days in a row, and um, you know I'll continue doing my very best to get back into the swing of things. It's uh, great hearing from everybody out there. I got several emails. I mentioned this yesterday that I have quite a few emails that I have to address, and I will make sure that I do so. But something else I wanted to address today, um, it's been brought up several times within my emails, questions, comments, um, some very grateful people, thankful people, regarding the fact that many of our loved ones are in complete denial that they have bipolar disorder. Now, I actually had to go all the way back into my list of podcasts, and I would do it just the same way anybody else would. I go into my podcast app, I'll subscribe to Mr. Joe, I'll scroll all the way down, and I did see a, um, a, a section or a podcast that had something to do with denial. Um, but I, I, and I didn't listen to it. I don't know if I offered strategies for um, denial for those who um, are loved ones that are in denial. Again, I didn't listen. So for all I know, this may be your own self that's in denial in terms of the old podcast that I that I uh, made, but you know what, being that all of these emails that I'm referring to are pretty fresh, and a great number of them have to do with this particular topic, 
I figured let's address it. We might as well, okay? Um, and, and please forgive me if we've discussed this before. It's always great to hear it again. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're willing to listen again, by all means do so. And hopefully, in the end, we'll both realize that we've never discussed this stuff. Now, again, um, these are what I would consider to be strategies for loved one's denial, Okay, we'll call it strategies for denial. And first and foremost, I don't want to refer to everybody as being married, but let's put it this way. Depression alone, just so you know, has a greater impact on married couples than, I mean, pretty much any illness that I could think of. You know, cardiac disease arthritis, I don't care what it is. I mean, it has a major impact on married couples, but keep in mind also that when I refer to married couples or couples, I'm, you know, I'm referring to long-term boyfriend and girlfriend, but you may oftentimes hear me use the word spouse here, so please forgive me if I do so. It just makes it easier rather than identifying everybody either as a spouse, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. So Maybe I'll even try to use the word partner, if I could um, throw that in there. But I'll tell you this, I know in terms of marriages that 90% of marriages where one person happens to be bipolar, most of the time it ends in divorce. So you're talking about 9 out of 10 marriages where one person is bipolar, that marriage will end in a divorce. It's, it's, it's an extremely fragile and sensitive relationship when it comes to one person suffering from bipolar and the other person suffering by living with that person in, with bipolar, especially when our partner has no desire to get help, is in complete denial, and, um, you know, it's, it wears on both of you, it wears on both of us. Hence, hey, you know, part of the reason why Mr. Joe is no longer married to his ex-wife. And obviously there's a lot more to it than just that. Um, we'll save that for another podcast, or you could go back to the hundreds that I've made about her. Nevertheless, let's go through some strategies, okay? And um, I, I guess the first thing that I would say is knock off all the nonsense, and I don't mean the person with bipolar. I mean the person, the partner who is dealing with the person with bipolar disorder. Just knock it off. Knock off all the nonsense. Because I know what you're used to hearing. Okay? And this actually ends up being pretty good. So, you know, don't worry about that. I have a point in the end. And I'm not yelling at you to knock off the nonsense. Because the nonsense really should only come from the bipolar person. How many times have I said, I am not crazy there is nothing wrong with me. I am not taking those meds. Now, whatever it might be, you have heard that or you've said it. Obviously heard it if you're the partner without bipolar disorder and you've said it. I know for a fact. I know for a fact if you have bipolar disorder, those words or something similar came out of your mouth. So when I say knock off all the nonsense, and this may seem unrealistic, and to be honest with you, Odds are that your partner is going to tell you to go, you know what, um, or they're going to, you know, yell at you and 
say something along the lines like I used to say to my ex-wife, you're just like my mother. <laughs> you know, you remind me of my mother, you know, so they'll pick the worst person that they've been involved with in their life. And, you know, all of a sudden, because they're accusing you of certain things and acting a certain way, you know, you will put that person, your partner, in the same category as somebody who has made accusations towards you or been mean to you, so-called mean to you in the past. Now, you know, my mother never made accusations, but she was so mean to me my whole life um, in terms of her emotional abuse that when my ex-wife would be mean to me, I would compare her to my mother. And her being mean was just her trying to tell me to get help. Now, we both know that she needs help as well, but, you know, just a simple, you know, go get help is enough to make me feel, or us with bipolar, that you are out to get us. So, you know, again, they might tell you that you know what, but I, if I were you, you know, in terms of knocking off all the nonsense, hand him or her a book. Now, obviously, that has to be the right time, okay? Hand him a book. You don't have to say anything. Don't do it in a mean way, but hand them a book that's informative, that's very easy to read, that outlines some of the things that you or him or, you know, or her or whatever is dealing with. So, you know, you could also take a scientific approach, and this is a really interesting one that I came up with, okay? Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, scientifically, we provide evidence. When it comes to science, we provide evidence to prove points, so... Honestly, if you want to provide scientific evidence, provide evidence in the form of feedback from the family or friends that our bipolar person is associated with, you know? I mean, even if it means, um, you know, listing down all the symptoms, um, you know, that the family members have mentioned in the past that they've seen, you know what? Make a collection of pictures, embarrassing pictures. They're great. You know, show them, hey, I got this from Aunt So-and-so. I remember that night. Do you remember it? Because, my God, you know, you took your clothes off and you were running around the town like a maniac. And look, I have a picture of it. You know, we, we tend to forget some of the things that we've done that are insane. So, believe it or not, that scientific approach can be actual evidence in the form of feedback. And again, embarrassing pictures are great. You know, you could also give a history of, uh, lesson of, of the family, and usually that's what will provoke or start a fight. You know, I know when my ex-wife used to mention that I was just like my mother, um, you know, that would usually cause a fight, but it also was the way that she presented it. You know, if she was to able to catch me at the right time and sit down and really analyze all of the mental illness that took place in my family, maybe I'd put two and two together. Odds are I, I wouldn't. So, you know, this is just, listen, this is just a suggestion. This does not mean that it's going to work. So if you're f afraid that it won't, let's move on. And let's, um, I don't know, let's think of something else. I mean, the other thing that I could think of is, and this may seem like common sense, but you have to, have to find the right doctor. And when I say you... Uh, you know, I've always said in the past, a person with bipolar disorder wants to, needs to want to get help, but there is nothing wrong with you helping along to find the right doctor. And, you know, when I say the right doctor, it's a very simple, simple concept. The bad doctors, they are the ones that destroy marriages and worsen the condition, simply put. The good ones are what save marriages and actually help the condition. 
you know, it takes uh, takes about 10 years, guys, to get a proper diagnosis. I know it took me about 10 years, and that's statistically proven. So we see a lot of doctors throughout that time frame, and, you know, if we could put our finger on one, just one, agree on one together, um, you know, that's a step in the right direction because that's the kind of doctor that's going to take care of you. You know, not the doctor that's going to diagnose somebody with depression because more than half of the time, you know, bipolar people are usually diagnosed with depression first, which is an incorrect diagnosis and, you know, sends them off into mania land, okay? So finding the right doctor together, not making the phone calls for him or her, but finding the right doctor together is a, a great way to go about helping somebody, a.k.a. your partner, get out of that denial stage. Now, moving on to uh, another strategy for our, our loved ones who might be into uh, denial. Um, how do I put this? I'm going to call this what I would I'm going to say enter, enter into what I would refer to as a three-way relationship with a mental health professional. And when I say three-way, no, guys, you know, get your minds out of the gutter. I'm not talking about that. Enter into a three-way relationship, and obviously this piggybacks off of finding the right doctor, but make yourself a part of that, I guess you could call that triangular relationship. And what I mean by that is if you can establish that you are part of that triangle from the moment that you find the right doctor, then you can keep you can keep your partner honest, really, is what it comes down to. And what I mean by that in terms of honesty, now remember, you're part of that triangle. So when your partner is saying some of the things that I used to say, like, oh, you know, I feel perfect. My meds are beautiful. They're finally starting to kick in, man. Life is better than ever. You know, that, that significant other who's in the triangular relationship, well, wouldn't it be a shock for the doctor when he gets that call and you go ahead and tell the doctor, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here because he or she has been curled up on the couch for days crying for the last, you know, two weeks or whatever it is, and he won't answer his phone, he's missing work, he's, um, you know, jumping on car, car roofs. <laughs> <laughs> like I used to do, um, like a moron, like a, just a complete wackadoo, um, you know, which is obviously very different than us saying what we want, we, what we think people want to hear, you know, so being part of that triangle, it, it also allows for some education to some degree as you, you know, many of you might not be aware what a hypomanic or a manic episode really looks like, so when a doctor describes it, then both your partner and yourself can have a mutual understanding of the symptoms. And for what it's worth, you can do your very best to try to take the steps together to be proactive. Um, you know, but again, you have to be a part of that relationship. You have to be let in by your partner, okay? And that's not always easy. I know some of these things, guys, are not easy to do, and many of you might hit the stop button and say, this man is absolutely insane. None of this is going to work. And you might be right. I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping for straws here, guys. I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with some of the things, in all honesty, that had worked with me and my wife now. 
So that's really where I'm deriving all this information from. That's what it comes down to. Um, something else that I think is very, very important, um, write down a set of rules. You know, you could verbalize the rules, but you also got to write them down. Now, odds are they'll be ripped off the fridge, okay, at some point, like I used to do. Um, but make a, make a set of rules that you can verbalize and write down with each other. And I'll give you a quick example. You know, you, you say to yourself, all right, partner with bipolar, if you are on your third day of crying or your third day with no sleep, I am calling the doctor. You know, that's rule number one. Uh, rule number two, someone says the word suicide, okay? I'm not saying you've got to call somebody or call the doctor, but... The rule is very, very simple. Stay with your partner. Okay? Stay. Because I've had several people in my life where I have threatened suicide who have walked out on me. Several. And left me there to die. And believe me, I remember. Okay? So let's not get into that now. Let's save that for a whole nother, you know, um, whole nother conversation. I might have even mentioned it before, but, you know, writing those rules down, um, you know, is very important. And one of the, I guess you could say the golden rule, and it has to be a promise, is probably the most important. Have a promise made as part of the rules to take medications. Simple as that. Um, you know, because I'd say about 45% of people with bipolar disorder do not take their medications as prescribed. And as far as I'm concerned, the rules that you make up must include medication adherence. They must. Okay, what the hell good is it if there are really great medicines out there for bipolar disorder and we don't take them? It means absolutely nothing. Okay, uh, another golden rule or strategy, I guess we can call. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to label it as learning learning the to learning the language of bipolar disorder and what i mean by that is you know when i'm anxious or depressed or in my case many times manic you know words from myself can be very hurtful and i know those of you who have partners with bipolar disorder have heard some really hurtful words whether it's directed towards them you know about them in the heat of an argument or a rage or something along those lines, but even just as hurtful is when, you know, your partner turns around because they're depressed and they say something like, I wish I was dead, I don't care about anything, I wish I had, you know, heart disease and then I would be allowed to die. Please keep in mind as this rule or this strategy that this is the illness speaking and it's not your partner. Okay. Now, it's a little bit harder with mania because, with at least with me, mania, you know, that was always associated with accusations and paranoia and, um, you know, yelling, cursing, screaming, and violence. So that's very, very hard to accept. Um, doesn't mean you have to stick around for it, but please try to understand that when those things happen, again, it's the bipolar speaking, and it's not your partner. It's It's not. So very important uh, strategy also for our um, partners of those with bipolar disorder and if I was to give uh, let me see here I, I feel like I'm really grasping for straws here because um, you know odds are many of us don't do this but 
you know, we have to keep ourselves, for those of us who do not have the disorder and are living with somebody who does, we have to keep ourselves from, from becoming insane ourselves. And I'm, I'm not referring to ourselves as me. I'm not the normal one, so let me, let me change that around. You, who are normal, who lives with somebody with bipolar or dates or married somebody, you need to keep yourself from becoming insane because you as a caretaker basically for a, a tremendous amount of time, a large portion of your time, you are taking care of them. You know, you're, you're spending so much time taking care and, you know, working with your partner. And, you know, to, to be honest with you, that puts you at a serious, serious risk for yourself in terms of, like, anxiety and depression symptoms um, and I, I mean, please take it for what it's worth. But if you don't try to, you know, stop yourself from going insane, you're going to be on your own path to becoming a wackadoo as well. Okay. And what do I mean by not, you know, keeping yourself sane? Um, you know, you have to look out for the signs first and foremost. I mean, if you start, you know, these, I, I would imagine this would say you're moving towards a little bit of insanity <laughs> um, because you're fed up. Like, if you start having resentment towards your partner or your spouse, if you, uh, you know, become less sexually active, for those of you who are sexually active with your bipolar partner, less sex usually means that things are not going well. And I don't even mean in terms of the relationship. If you don't want to have any more sex... You know, physical signs of stress, like headaches, being nauseous, wanting to vomit. I mean, I know this sounds, you know, common sense, but, you know, if you have never been diagnosed with a mental illness and you're feeling irritable, you're down, you're deflated, you're miserable, but you've never been diagnosed and you're taking care of somebody, a partner, there is a good chance, guys, that you are headed down that path. Okay? So what do we do? you got to do things for yourself, too, guys. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I don't know. Go shopping. You know, remember, because you're not bipolar. So, you know, that's safe for you guys. Um, you know, play golf. I don't know. I never played golf a day in my life. Uh, I'm sitting in front of a field right now, and it, looked like a, it looks like a golf field. So that's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, see a movie. Do something, guys. you got to do something to keep yourself sane. No matter how much you're worrying about your partner, no matter how much you want to help him, him or her, you know, you're not doing yourself any good. You're not doing him or her any good if you're leading yourself down that horrible path as well because you've just been burnt out, you know, and you will burn out, trust me, between the abuse that you're taking and the inability for you to get your partner to even confirm that there might be a bit of a problem here and the, the struggles that you're having in terms of, you know, trying to get your partner better for somebody who doesn't want to get better. Um, you know, these are all strategies, I guess, if you live with somebody who is in denial. Now, listen, these are not strategies to make your partner turn around and say, whoa, yo, hey, I'm going to get checked. That's right, man. You know, look at all the strategies they're using. I now know that I have bipolar disorder. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that if your partner is in denial, these are some things that you have to do for yourself. And, I, of course, I threw in the mix there a little bit of this and that when it comes to, you know, encouraging your loved one to at least have an understanding, especially when I spoke about, you know, 
handing him or her a book or talking about their family history. You know, you're trying to encourage them to some degree that, um, you know, there's a possibility that there is bipolar that runs in that family. And, you know, guys, don't do it in the heat of the battle. That doesn't work. You are bipolar just like your mother. You are sick like that crazy woman. You know, none of that is going to be taken well. Believe me when I tell you. Nobody wants to hear that in the heat of the moment, especially when, again, we think we've done nothing wrong. We are more right than we've ever been. We're not crazy. You are. And you have the audacity to tell me that I remind you of my mother? No way, man doesn't work like that. As a matter of fact, it is going to push your partner further and further away from recognizing their illness and getting the help that they need. And I'm being honest with you guys. The more I was told that I was absolutely insane, the more insane I got and the less I wanted to get myself help. Because I always thought that the person who was calling me insane was insane themselves. So it was more about me wondering when this moron was going to get help themselves, when in actuality they were not a moron. They were, you know, right on. Now, I am not using my ex-wife as an example here because it is evidently clear that that woman is absolutely out of her mind. She has been fighting with my daughter, you know, to both of their admittance. They both told me that, you know, things have been crazy in terms of the fighting. And from what my children are telling me, and I've said this before, guys, and even my wife said it, is a fine line between calling Child Protective Services and letting things go. And we're on that line right now. You know, as educators, as part of the system, we are bound by law to report any time that we feel that there is neglect or abuse of a child. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. And I say that because my daughter is a teenager, and much of what comes out of her mouth is either, you know, dramatic or, you know, changed to benefit the needs of her to some degree. But knowing what my ex-wife is and living with that nonsense for all the years that I did and hearing my daughter talk about it and, you know, being told that, um, you know, the minute that they open their eyes, she's being called the C-word. Um, you know, I've spoken many times that my ex-wife smashed me over the head with a phone. And apparently my ex-wife threw something at my daughter and it hit her, hit her in the face. I don't remember what item it was because I was so agitated about it. So we're on a fine line here, guys. I'm telling you right now, this needs to stop. So, you know, hopefully she'll get some help, really. Other than that, I, I mean, I have to say my daughter wants out. She wants out. You know what? The quicker she gets out and is not under the roof of her mother is the quicker I could stop paying that woman child support. And all that money would go directly to my daughter, honestly. So, you know, if it's really that bad, maybe i got to convince her to get the hell out of there. And it's not like I'm going to save any money because, again, all that money that I've been spending, I will give to my daughter. So who knows, guys? I, all I know is that this was all I could come up with. I apologize if you needed more. Um, this is, again, me attending to the many emails that have been asking, you know, what can I do for myself because my partner is in denial? And, you know, I decided to mix in a little bit of strategies, like I said. So I'm hoping this helps, guys. Um, other than that, of course, I'm always here for everybody. 
to reach out to me at MrJoeBP at Yahoo.com or find me on Twitter at MrBipolarJoe. Now, for those of you who are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard if you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness. I ask that you continue to support that person the very best way that you know how. And if you're struggling right now with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to fight, continue to battle, and most importantly, soldier on. Man, I missed you guys. I am so grateful to be back with everybody out there. I want you all to have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.